0: Peace to you, brothers and sisters, with love and faith from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Paul labored hard in God's kingdom, started basically in Jerusalem, made it all the way to Rome, and even seems to have made it into Spain. He covered a lot of territory, bringing the good news of salvation in Christ to pagans, to Gentiles. And what thanks did he get for all that labor? He's under house arrest. He has appealed to Caesar, in this case it will be Nero, to see if Christianity is a legal religion, and he is waiting to see if he will be put to death. He writes the letter to the Philippians that is our sermon text today, telling them, whether I live or die, that's great. If I die, I get to be with Jesus. If I live, I get to come back and do more labor among you. But in order to encourage the Philippians, he says the words of today's sermon text, that's Philippians chapter 2, verse 27. Just conduct yourselves in a way that is worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come to see you or am absent, I may hear about you that you are standing firm in one spirit, contending together with one soul for the faith of the gospel. When you hear those words, do you ask the question, How do I conduct myself in a way that's worthy of the gospel of Christ Jesus? Well, that's our sermon theme for today, so let's jump into the text. Now, the interesting thing is, the verb that is translated here, conduct yourself, is not the usual Greek verb for how you would conduct yourself. The usual Greek verb in the New Testament is literally walk about, and hence we get conduct yourself. This verb has the same Greek stem in it that we get our word politics from. It's actually literally translated as exercise your citizenship. So how do you conduct yourself in a way that is worthy of the gospel of Christ? You have to understand your citizenship. Literally translated, the first part of this verse says, Only keep on exercising your citizenship. So, how do you become a citizen? Well, in our gospel lesson today, Jesus talks about the vineyard owner going and telling people, Go out and work in my field. See, God has to come to us, we're stuck in our sins. He sends the good news of salvation in Christ. He then sends the Holy Spirit through that good news to give you faith. If you are an unbeliever, the meaning of life is to come to faith. Once you're a believer, the meaning of life is to go work in the field. Now, you're a citizen now of heaven. You work in the field by sharing the good news of salvation. But you know... We have a unique citizenship here in America, don't we? I've had the privilege of having friends who were here on a guest worker program or were going to college that were not from this country. They always kind of stand out. Their accent gives them away. They don't quite speak English the way we do. They stand out. But you have been made a citizen of God's kingdom, the kingdom of heaven. You stand out. You talk differently because when you talk and when you live in this world, you are laboring, whether you realize it or not, that new man that the Holy Spirit has created, it is constantly pouring forth God's love. It is constantly showing forgiveness. This is one of the ways in which you labor in the kingdom, isn't it? Now, those workers, the the, the reward for their work was not salvation, You are saved, and hence you work in God's kingdom, work for God's kingdom out in this world. You're a citizen of the United States of America, and that gives you some very unique privileges that no civilization has known before. Freedom. I can say what I want from this area, unless I speak false doctrine, and then you'll pull me out of it. But otherwise, the government will leave me unmolested. I have freedom of speech and freedom of religion because of my citizenship. And that means exercising my citizenship in a responsible way. For example, we are allowed, we have the right to a trial that is consisted of a jury of our peers. Which means, therefore, when it's your turn, you are willing to serve on a jury to give that trial to others. You and I have responsibility we exercise, not out of guilt, but out of a privilege. Exercising that showing love and forgiveness to others. And as an American citizen, we have tremendous freedom, but we have a responsibility to be informed about that freedom. And especially every four years, we vote in a very big way. But we have to be informed because if we vote the wrong person in, we can lose our freedom. You have freedom in God's kingdom, but you have to be informed about that freedom, which the word tells you, so that you do not become like that man in Corinth who saw his freedom from the law and was boasting about having intercourse with his stepmother. I have freedom. And it's amazing if you look in the state of Wyoming how a hundred years ago there were a lot less laws on the books, weren't there? If I recognize my freedom to jam out on a stereo at two o'clock in the morning, boom, 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 my neighbor is not going to get a lot of sleep. Unless he takes matters into his own hands, he's going to eventually have to have a law passed that limits... The noise I can make it to in the morning so that he can get sleep, so that he can go to work. Now there's a law and both of our freedom is hindered. You have freedom in Christ, but as a citizen of God's kingdom, you exercise it in the love of God and love for your neighbor so that they don't need to be protected from you. Your citizenship shines through. Ultimately, what I'm talking about in exercising your heavenly citizenship is summarized by the hymn, I am but a stranger here. Heaven is my home. You let your true home shine out. And one of the ways in which we show our citizenship was spoken in our first lesson in Isaiah 55, verses 6 through 9, where he tells the people, seek the Lord and live. See, he's writing to to, to Jewish people who were supposed to be believers, who were supposed to be faithful to the Lord. But they constantly chased after false gods. Your lifetime is the time to seek the Lord. And once the Lord has given you faith, you live in repentance. You confess your sins to God. And you trust that your sins are forgiven. This is a life led in repentance, and this is one of the amazing ways in which your heavenly citizenship shines through. So we see, how do you conduct yourself in a way that's worthy of the gospel of Christ? It's simply exercising your heavenly citizenship. Now, when Isaiah talked about seeking the Lord while he may be found, after that in verse 8 through verse 9, he says, certainly my plans are not your plans and your ways are not my ways, declares the Lord. Just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways are higher than your ways and my plans are higher than your plans. God takes the ways that this world operates and he dumps them upside down on their head. The people of Israel... They thought if they worshiped Baal and made sacrifices and did other things, they'd get a blessing out of him. They worked. They earned what they were trying to get. God dumped that on its head. He saw we were stuck in our slavery to sin, death, and the devil, and he took on human flesh to remove our sin, to purchase and win us. And so Paul says in our text today... Only keep on exercising your citizenship in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. The only way we can exercise that citizenship in a manner that's worthy of the gospel of Christ is to know what is the gospel of Christ. Because we have that sinful nature. And that sinful nature will always say there's no such thing as a free lunch. I have to earn forgiveness from God. That sinful nature will always say but I'm entitled to this. If we get what we are entitled to from God, we go to hell. The gospel is the good news that in spite of what we earned, which is hell, God has saved us. And so that changes everything. What's your motivation for coming to worship? It's not because you have to. Martin Luther talking about the new man that God made in you. He compared it to the sun. He said, we don't have to get up in the morning and tell the sun to shine. That's what God built it to do. Your new man, because of the good news of salvation, has been brought to saving faith. And he naturally trusts in the forgiveness of sins. And he naturally then comes to the word of God to constantly confess our sins and, tr- and trust that our sins are forgiven. God is very generous with that. The gospel is free. You can abundantly pour out God's love on your neighbor and God's forgiveness on them and you'll never run out of God's love and God's forgiveness. That's really part of what he was saying in the gospel lesson in Matthew 20, verses 15 through 16. After the people complained that the guys who only worked an hour got a full day's wages, he says, can't I do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I'm generous? In the same way, the last will be first and the first will be last. See, If you are 99 years old and you were to live your life as a rotten, stingy, mean person, but in the last hour of life as you're laying on the hospital bed, if God sent a Christian into your room and they shared the good news of forgiveness with you and you came to faith, you would go to heaven. The world says that's not fair. God says I'm generous. God says, I predestined you to hear my word and receive salvation. And the world says, well, what about my neighbor? God says, if you're worried about your neighbor, then go labor in my kingdom. Share the good news of salvation with them. Things are turned on their head. God saved you, the God of all creation, by serving you. He set that example on the night he was betrayed by washing the disciples' feet. That was slave work, and that was lowly slave work. But see, in the morning, He would take all the filthiness of your sins upon His shoulders, and He would go to that cross, and He would wash your sin away with His blood. He would die in your place and rise in your place, so He has made you nobility. You are prince and princesses in God's heavenly kingdom. And He didn't make you prince and princesses so you can act like spoiled, rotten aristocracy... He served you and made you prince and princesses so that you would be free to serve. That is truly turning the world on its head. You are nobility who has now been freed to act like the slave to your fellow man. I walked out of the church this week and at the conference I'd attended and above the door, it said, you are now entering your mission field. The world comes to God and says, what can you do for me? When you've been saved, you look at the world and you say, how can I serve you? You ask God, how can I return thanks? And God says, my son did all the work for your salvation. So you struggle to keep the Ten Commandments not in order to be saved, but simply out of worship, thanks, and praise to God. You are serving God and serving your neighbor. There's a lot of worship wars going on right now in Christianity. And you know how many of them would resolve if people quit thinking, this is what I want, this is what I need. If the church doesn't serve the best coffee bar, I'm going to go to the church down the street. That's selfishness, isn't it? When I look at you and say, how can I serve you? And you look at me and you say, how can I serve you? We're both got servants' attitudes. We're both going to treat each other in love. And so how can you conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ? It's exercising your heavenly citizenship by knowing what is the gospel of Christ. The love of God motivates us. Not guilt trips. Not saying, you have to do this or that or else you won't be saved. Not bullying each other. God turned the world upside down. He made you royalty so that you are now free to serve your neighbor, whether they appreciate it or not. And so our text says, only keep on exercising your citizenship in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come to see you or I continue being away from you, I may keep on hearing of the things concerning you, that you keep on standing firm in one spirit with one mindset while striving together for the faith of the gospel. There's only one Holy Spirit, and faith comes, as the Apostle Paul says in Romans, through hearing the message. God sent messengers to you, and then the Holy Spirit entered your heart through that message. There's not a different Holy Spirit in your heart than there is in my heart. There's one God, one Holy Spirit, who has made the new man in my heart and your heart. He's given birth to both. And he does that through the Word. Unity comes when we are in the Word, which gives us faith, and then cling to the Word, which strengthens our faith. When you find disunity in the Christian church, it always begins with somebody not wanting to believe what God's Word says. An example of this is one of the men who rode in on Luther's coattails in the Reformation was Zwingli. Zwingli had a real hard time with the words of Christ in the Lord's Supper. When Christ says, take and eat, this is my body, take and drink, this is my blood, that just defied logic, that defied science. Zwingli couldn't accept it. He was the first one to say what Christ meant to say is this represents my body, this represents my blood. When it became clear to Luther after talking with him for a long time that he was not going to change, he stood up and said, yours is a different spirit and walked away. It was not by the Holy Spirit that Zwingli was adding the word represents. Rather, he was resisting the Holy Spirit and the word of God to arrive at his conclusions. Here's an example. When we, when we let the word of God speak and we let the Holy Spirit do his work of giving us the faith to cling to that word, then we truly have a unity. That gives us one mindset because our mindset now is like the Apostle Paul who was a Roman citizen and when he got tired of Christians being persecuted by the Sanhedrin, he used his Roman citizenship to appeal to Nero himself, the Supreme Court. In Paul's case, writing to the Philippians, we know that the first time he appears to Nero, Christianity will be considered a legal religion and it will be allowed to grow and prosper without being molested by the government. Now later, Paul will appeal again and it will be considered an outlawed religion, in which case God used other Christians who had the same mindset, How can I serve the kingdom of God? How can I show my heavenly citizenship? And while old men had lions sent right after them in Circus Maximus and the crowds, the pagans watched those lions devour them, the crowd stopped and said, that man died a peaceful death and a very violent death. They said, even in my death I will glorify God. And God used it to show a witness to the Roman aristocracy they begin to say, there's something different about this religion of the slaves. They find peace in their God. See, they were anchored in the word of God and they stayed with it. And when you and I are anchored in the word of God, we have that one mindset and we function as that one body of Christ. Just as the Apostle Paul worked to the glory of the body of Christ with his brothers and sisters of his time, and especially by the inspiration of getting to write the word, you and I get to cling to that too and receive those benefits. He worked to the glory of God's kingdom. So how do you conduct yourself in a way that's worthy of the gospel of Christ? It is exercising your heavenly citizenship by knowing what is the gospel of Christ. We don't want to confuse that with law, do we? And we do that through being anchored in the word of God. And there we find harmony and unity. And they can tell we are Christ's body, citizens of his kingdom. Amen. Now he who began a good work in you will carry it on into completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Amen. Please rise. We believe in one holy, Christian, and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious God and Father, we praise you for the countless blessings which we receive from your hand, the beauties of creation and the bounties of the earth, the joy of life and the pleasure of friendship the good of work and the gift of rest, the privilege to share happiness and sorrow with one another. Above all, we praise and thank you for your saving word and for your son's body and blood, which you give us to eat and to drink in the sacrament. Through these means of grace, you send the Holy Spirit into our hearts and unite us to Jesus and to the whole Christian church on earth. Strengthen us through this heavenly food. Increase our trust in Christ and our love for one another. Great God and Lord, without your continuing help, we easily waver in our faith, lose courage and grow careless in our watchfulness. The times and days are perilous. Give us strength to face the evils of each day with fresh confidence. Open our lips to speak of your grace and move us to use the gifts that you give us to share your word of salvation with all people. Protect and prosper the family, the school, the government, and all good institutions that you have established for the benefit of society. Remember in mercy those who are sick and suffering and bring your healing to troubled homes and lives. Move us to pray for those in need and to help them with deeds of kindness. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for those whom you sent to share your word and bring us into your kingdom. We ask you to help our hearts to cherish the privilege of working in your kingdom and ask you to let us see the opportunities in our community of laboring in your field. Lord, as our president and first lady were diagnosed with COVID this week, and as our senate had seen it explode through them, we ask that you protect our government And we thank you for the healing that you have given to them. And we pray that you keep our government functioning and our leaders able to lead us to your glory according to your moral law. We ask you, Lord, to use this COVID disease to your glory and help us to labor in your field by bringing comfort to those who are suffering under it. Hear us, Lord, as we bring you our private petitions. Now, eternal God and Father, keep us in the saving faith and so enable us to overcome all things through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen. Amen.